Hey, thanks for listening to our podcast. If you want to listen live in the central Indiana area, you can hear us on 93.5 FM and 107.5 FM. What in the hell do you think you're doing? Hey, John Boy. I'm telling you straight, it's my way or the highway. So anybody wants to walk, do it now. Hey, everybody, we're all going to get laid. And again, it's picked up. It's Darius Leonard. A pick six for the Maniac. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. Yes, sir. John, I have never been better to be on the air with you here in Indianapolis, a place where so many of my dreams have come true. The Ride with JMV on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Tannehill on play action, fires into the end zone, wide open. That's a touchdown, and that is Robert Woods, the veteran wide receiver out of USC. It's six to nothing. Ryan under center, fakes a counter, steps up in the pocket, wide open to the 10. Mo Alley Cox at the five. It's a touchdown for Mo Alley Cox. First touchdown on the board today for the Colts, and they close the gap to 24 to nine. Ryan takes the pass, throws left side into the end zone, walking in, touchdown. His second touchdown today. It's all tied into the red zone for the Colts. It's 24 to 16. Play clock at two, takes a snap, gives off to Jonathan Taylor. Jump cuts his way across the line of scrimmage and is close to a first down. And now there's some pointing. Oh, did Jonathan Taylor lose it? Tennessee is downstairs celebrating like they've recovered a fumble. Yeah, they're signaling that that official down there in the pile. Rolling on the field, first the ball down. is fumbled, recovered by the defense. Final score on the Ruoff Mortgage scoreboard. It's Tennessee 24 and the Colts 17. Buffalo Wild Wings today. Buffalo Wild Wings brings us to you. This is a Colts Blue Monday is what we're doing. I got a pair of tickets to give away coming up later on. We're at the Buffalo Wild Wings location. This is a fantastic location, by the way, in Plainfield off of Main Street. I guess you can see it. Main Street's out there, which I believe is is US 40. But the Buffalo Wild Wings is famous out here for being fantastic. So join us, too. Great food. Ice cold Bud Light right next to me. You could win some tickets tickets and we'll have a lot to talk about too you got monday night football coming up a little bit later on tonight and remember this colts team has a short week and you get denver coming up in denver coming up on thursday night but buffalo wild wings our location in plainfield today on a bud light blue monday with tickets to give away courtesy of buffalo wild wings i'm promising you a good time even with the results we have seen and the results we saw again yesterday, I'm going to promise you a good time right here. Absolutely. I don't know if you can see it. Well, it was here a little bit earlier. We have a uh, Colts helmet to give away, a lot of signatures on it, all that stuff and more I'll share with you over the course of the afternoon. But I didn't want to get started this way. And I, I agree. You look at this team right now, and it's an absolute mess. It is an absolute mess. And you look in it in terms of the moment. And it's a mess, and it doesn't look like it's going to get any better. For those moments when it's actually good, it's normally followed by two or three moments that are ridiculously awful. Here's what could 
and should concern you even more. And there's a lot of layers to this, to the awfulness in which we have seen, to the most part, all the bad quarters of football that we have seen. But when you think about it, I tweeted about this yesterday and talked about it this morning with Tony Katz on WIBC, talked about it last night on Fox 59 with Chris Hagan on 59 Overtime. This is just not a situation right now that is just going to affect the moment. This is going to have a profound effect on this team's future, and here's why. Because to this time, and again, everybody's going to want to go ahead and say, well, you know, they're still in it, and it's the AFC South. Let's put all that crap to the side for a moment, okay? Because what we do here, every single time we have this stupid-ass conversation after a Colts loss, it's, well, at least they're still in the AFC South. What we do is lower the bar even more. Let's face it. It's not supposed to look like this. And it sure as hell not supposed to consistently look like this. That's problematic. We live in the moment. That's problematic for the moment without question, especially in a short week. Get a dinged up running back who can't find any space anyway, but a dinged up running back nonetheless. Hopefully plays coming up on Thursday. You get your linebacker. He came back for the first time in 2022 yesterday, and he gets dinged courtesy of friendly fire. I think Taekwon Lewis also got friendly fired upon yesterday, too. All that coming up in a minute. But we live in a moment, and believe me, in Sports Talk Radio, that's what we do. We live in the moment. We're going to discuss everything that went on yesterday, and we're going to be hardcore, and people are going to be mad, and then you're going to get maybe 5%, but a 5% now that's learning, that maybe this team is what we've talked about it being. But... The most crucial part of all this is to me, to this point, to where you are in what, years six and five with general manager and head coach, this philosophy isn't working. This philosophy isn't working. I don't care what you talk about regarding still having a chance or when you reference back, well, this is what this team always does. God, that drives me nuts when you say that. Because I got news for you. What this team has done in the recent past hasn't been that great either. Everybody leans on last year. Well, look how they started last year. Last year sucked. Last year was horrible. Last year the start was horrible, and the finish was even worse. Right? There's nothing to lean on and positive with that. Nothing at all. All right, so Phillip Rivers takes him to the postseason two years ago. He got bounced in game number one after they added an extra playoff position. And the Colts took advantage of that. You see what I'm saying? Every time you make an excuse about what's going on, you lower the bar even less. And I'm telling you, I've been around here when it's been rock bottom. Now, it's a different feeling here because you guys actually are invested in your care right now. Yeah, back then, nobody cared. You know, basically up until that 95 comet that burst through the stratosphere, if you remember, at the end of the season, and they go to the AFC title game, nobody knew what the hell was going on. Yeah, hey, there's a football team here. Let's go down there. Hey, let's head down to the RCA Dome or the Hoosier Dome. Hey, get down there, 25 minutes. You know, back then, they kicked at noon. 
Yeah, we'll leave about 11.35 or so, get there at game time, watch four or five dudes and their toupees get blown off and they're walking in the dome. That's pretty funny, right? Old guys in penny loafers and slacks and ladies bringing their knitting or everybody coming from church. There's no celebration. Nobody really knew what was going on then. It was just a novel idea that this market had an NFL team. It's much different now, and it's not spoiled. That is such BS with the spoiled crap. Like, with due respect to Cam, who's sitting here, of the younger generation, or maybe a little bit older, but still the younger generation, and Kyle Unimark back at the station, or anybody else that's 40 or less, you have no idea. You have no idea how bad it was, but everybody kind of joked about it. Everybody wrote funny songs about it. Bob and Tom laughed about it. It was a sucky time, but believe me, we didn't know any better. Now you do. Now you knew the, the bar is set where it's supposed to be at this level. That's where the Manning era set it. And that's what Jim Irsay has told us about it needing to be. And they're not coming close. All we're doing is lowering it right now. So let's, I want everybody to stop if we can, because I know that it's the AFC South. I know what division they play in. I know that nobody else is really that great, so probably all season long they're going to have a chance within the division. But, again, all you do is lower expectations. Until when? When does it stop? Two things that should frighten you within the AFC South is this, right? Is even with that loss yesterday, you do see signs, especially 24 to nothing is a pretty good sign. You see signs of Jacksonville being built – in this era of winnable, higher-level football. The thing that Tennessee brings to the table, I guess it doesn't matter who the hell plays for them, right? You can be missing a tackle. You can be missing a defensive lineman. You can trade away your best wide receiver. You can do all that crap, and still you're going to be mentally and physically much tougher than what this team is. Can you imagine on any level, I don't see enough, to Tennessee to know, and frankly, I don't care. But can you see if you had an embattled coach in Mike Vrabel in Nashville, can you imagine that Titans team and going through all that they've gone through or having ownership come out and all offseason long, if you're not talking about Carson Wentz and how he was the issue with the team, talking about how this team has to beat Tennessee, should beat Tennessee, just Late last week, sending out videos, being primal. There was one team out there primal yesterday, and it wasn't the Colts. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that football team playing like that for a half of a game with everything that had been talked about from ownership? And listen, I'm sorry. I know that Jim Irsay has zero history of doing anything. Other than, you know, scapegoating obviously will continue. Chris Rosser is incredibly lucky this is a short week and probably if this continues with the offensive line is not going to make it to the Jacksonville game. But that aside for a moment, right? The head coach. Can you imagine Tennessee coming out and knowing what's on the line, not only with what the owner or ownership has said, not only with, you know, being clowned upon a year ago, Knowing, knowing that the opposition has had your number for the past couple of seasons, coming out and looking that listless, that emotionless, 
that discombobulated, it's week number four. How in this world do you look like that at the start of a game? It's great that they came back, right? It's great that they made a game of it. I don't know how that figures into anything. Again, that's what they do. That's what people will tell me. That's what they do. But what was the end result they lost? Well, a year ago, that's just kind of what they do. What was that end result they lost? Didn't go to the postseason. That's just what they do. Had to add a post. Last time they were in the postseason, they had to add a postseason team to get there. This is where this thing is. And this is my point on it all. This is not working. This Chris Ballard approach, the blueprint, right, the construction, the foundational building blocks of his vision, not working. And you can talk all you want about a merry-go-round and quarterbacks every year, but it's a philosophy that doesn't work. Think about where the breakdown has been this year. And this is the most significant breakdown. I mean, the light bulb or the socket, if you will, to get light starts on this team with the offensive line. There has been a lot of handle with care. We got to make sure you do this. We got to get guys in the right spot. We're going to build from the inside out while the rest of the NFL thinks about it differently. So the rest of the NFL wrong? Probably not. The rest of the NFL is probably right. It's not working. That should concern you as a Colts fan more than anything else because that has implications even further. We're just talking about in this moment. We're talking about the first week of October right here and a short week going to Denver. You're talking about the AFC South. Yeah, you're still in it. You're talking about, well, all it's going to take is this and a little bit of run there and a little bit of run there. To what? To do what? And then you think about the longer term. You think about the issues on this offensive line. You guys watched yesterday, right? The, the left guard had himself a bad day along with everybody else. Well, you know what? They did step up down the stretch. Who gives a damn if they stepped up down the stretch? They still lost. Let's talk about what they didn't do in those winning and losing moments early in the game when you get down three scores. How about not getting down three scores? How about being read the riot act from your owner? How about knowing what's on the line for your head coach and you come out like that? Is there a leader in that locker room or is this all a bunch of BS? We've heard about it from Matt Ryan. I don't know. I don't see it. The only thing I can gather is what I see on the field. And if the coach is one to provide some inspiration, you tell me with every single slow start, and mind you, don't even go to last week. Because that slow start was kick-started by Sky and Moore and the special teams of Kansas City. They're still spinning their wheels probably without that. That's where this team is right now. So you should be concerned not just in the now but for the future because this thing looks failed. Again, if it's communication... If it's the other, whatever, somebody needs to fix it, but it's not getting fixed. You see the same old, same old, every single game, same old mistakes. But that should concern you because that has a profound effect on the future of this team is how it's built. And it's not working. 
And listen, if you want to talk about how the defense, what the defense did in the second half, okay, fine, I'm, great, second half. What did they do in the first half? And I know that they get stuck because of this offense with mistakes and short fields and a quarterback that has fumbled, oh, my God, ten times. Are you kidding me? Ten stinking times this year. I know he missed, what, ten passes yesterday, went for 352, 362, a couple of scores or whatever. But let's face it, we've watched it. It's not it. It's just simply not it. All we do every single time is lower the bar to make make yourself as a Colts fan, make everybody else as Colts fans around you feel better. Hey, listen, I want you to feel good, but not at the expense of what we're supposed to be seeing compared to what we actually see. This is what's been real. Yeah, this start for this team is real. I mean, I guess it's fortunate last week they actually took advantage of those opportunities. But the foundational building blocks are simply not working right now. And that was at the forefront of all that went down at the beginning of that game in the first half. I I was in the press box actually in shock. And I shouldn't be in shock because we've seen this, right? But I was in shock about how this team came out. How can you not have a little bit more fire than that? A little bit more want to than that? Nothing. Nothing. You got steamrolled. You gave up the ball. You made bad decisions. Now, this thing is flawed. This thing goes deeper. And I know, I know that Jim Irsay has never made a change in head coach during the season. I know a lot of people are asking me, do you think that Frank Reich has lost the locker room? I'm not in the locker room. I don't know. But I'll gauge this. You watch him start. Do you think these guys pay a little bit of attention about what's going on around them? I know that they all say they don't listen, they don't watch, they don't read or whatever, but somebody knows a little bit of something, right? Why the continued slow starts? That absolutely sunk them yesterday, and it was everything. I'm glad the tight ends had a great game. I'm just sick of sitting here, even after wins, and trying to pick apart why why they were good. I mean, why can't you put something together longer than just a series or two, if that? When you think about it, too, I mean, the quarters of football they have played this year, how many good ones have there been? How many decent quarters have there been? How many watchable quarters have there been? This thing's not working. It is not working. And that should concern you much more than just where we are in this particular moment. We'll go over all that coming up on the course of the afternoon. I mean, that's what we do, right? We respond, we react to the moment, what went down yesterday. But that start was ridiculous. The start's always going to go back on the coach, but... Players? Any inspiration at all? Any understanding at all? And what was the difference between starting the game and then coming out of the second half? Was it more that Tennessee is just not that good? I mean, we kind of look at Kansas City now as that first win of the season. You watched them last night. They didn't look anything. And I gave credit where credit is due. I thought the defense played well last week. 
You know, one of the things we talked about in the pregame show yesterday was with Ryan Tannehill. Don't let Ryan Tannehill escape and run with his legs for first downs. How many times did he do that yesterday? You know, once again, you get one game that Ngakwe showed up, and then you get another game where Ngakwe was invisible. DeForest Buckner, what he do? A handful of third downs, I think, maybe 15 snaps in all. Not that many with whatever the elbow situation he might have. He had the return of Shaquille Leonard that provided zero spark. None. None whatsoever. And then he got friendly fired upon. It was all over. Who knows how long that's going to be. Yeah, I don't know what. I, I, if you're looking for something positive right now, and I know everybody's been on me, oh, it's always negative. I don't know how else to look at it. That's what it is. I just shared with you, I think, the longer-term vision right now, which, again, will have more of an effect and should probably frighten you as a Colts fan more than what's happening right now. And the other aspect of it is I'm just, I sit here and I'm sick and tired of hearing about how they're still in it. And I'm sick and tired of hearing about how everybody's spoiled from the Manning era. That's BS. Maybe for 35 years or in that neighborhood or younger. But if you're around here longer than that, you managed, got through some awful times of football. There's not a good feeling. Got one of the worst teams working right now in the NFL right in front of you, too. This offensive line, I'm telling you. You put all that stock, all that time, all that effort into building this, and that, those are the results that you get with that? Are you kidding me? Those are the results. Well, you know what? They did do better. They did better on that final drive last week. Put something, put a game together. You know, put something together where you're not completely discombobulated the first time that a defense up front throws a twist at you or starts stunting on you a little bit. Be honest with you, I was impressed. Tennessee was taking advantage of stuff. Everybody had told us that Derrick Henry was over and he's dinged and he's further. Derrick Henry looked strong. Derrick Henry looked like that he read, listened, watched something that inspired him a little bit. That was some inspirational running, especially in the first half yesterday. He wasn't having any of that. Meantime, this vaunted offensive line, which is paid the highest in the NFL and is probably bottom three in the NFL right now as far as production is concerned, they cannot give a crack of an opening to Jonathan Taylor. Not a crack. And obviously he fumbled yesterday. That was certainly a huge moment, if not the biggest moment, that curtailed any sort of comeback, any sort of comeback attempt. There's just, there is not enough to talk about that is positive. I cannot spend basically the rest of through two hours and 45 minutes on the tight ends or Alec Pierce making some tough catches. I will say this too. Matt Ryan put up, what, 352, 362? I'll give it to the pass catchers because they had to work for it yesterday because he was all over the place. Ashton Doolin, I think, made a really nice catch. Ball was thrown behind him. Those guys made some nice catches for him yesterday. They did. It looks to me like Matt Ryan is on a team where he thought that all of this was going to be ready-made and he was going to be able to drop back and throw it. Seems like this is a lot more than what he bargained for and certainly overwhelming considering where he is in the stage of his quarterbacking career in the NFL. That's the way that it looks. But if you, can't, if you can't get inspiration out of going into that Tennessee game last week, where does it come from? 
Where are you going to find it? Who's going to provide it? I saw Naheem Hines had a quote. Naheem Hines of the uh, two targets, I think, yesterday. Naheem Hines had the quote regarding, this is not an excuse. I'm going to paraphrase you if that's okay. This is not an excuse, but we have had, you know, your garden variety of quarterbacks each and every year. We're on a treadmill of quarterbacks, something like that. Which, to me, I read that, and I'm thinking, man, this is like... Kyle and I were talking about this. That sounds like a shot at the general manager, but if you're going to shoot at the general manager, you're also shooting at the owner because that's what the owner wanted. That was a mandate. There was no keeping the guy last year, and there was a selling of the guy last year, and then the year prior there was a guy that they had hoped to have for two years that only was going to stay for one. I mean, this whole plan of trying to put a Band-Aid over it and move on and win only works if you win. Because right now you're kind of caught between the, you got a young group of players, but you also have, you're really built backwards. You're built backwards. Scariest part about all this is the foundational building blocks of this squad to this point are failing especially that offensive line. And if they fail, this team fails. If they fail, this team fails, and you have longer than just a game in October or a a month of October or the AFC South dumbing that down so everybody can feel good about themselves. I'm sorry, this is not how it's supposed to be, and it's sure as hell not how it's supposed to look. That's on them. That's on Jim. That's on Chris. That's on Frank. Now you get a short week, try to come back and beat a Denver team that's not very good. But, honestly, the Colts aren't either. Trying to remember, was it Arizona? I can't remember the length of the Arizona game with consistency. When's the last time that we saw a a game performance in the category of consistency? Plays here or there, all right. But consistency, it's been a while. When's the last time you felt you watched this team play consistently good football? Is there a time? You got something, Cam? Could you say consistently Buffalo last good year? Consistently Buffalo, the blueprint of running the football, probably so. What, what week was that? I can't remember. That was it. I was thinking New England, but I could not remember the consistency. You're right with Buffalo on the road under those circumstances and doing, I mean, doing really what Chris Ballard had built this team to do. And those moments have been, been few and far between. That's probably it. What week was that, Kyle, a year ago? Seems like that a while. was, let's see here, last November. So that would be, I think that level of play is more an exception to what we have been watching most recently. But not even recently, but even further back. That is more the exception to the rule than what we're seeing. What we're seeing is the rule. I just can't believe this team coming out and playing like that, knowing what's on the line, knowing how outspoken the owner has been. I mean, that's almost like, yeah, you know what, whatever. We're just going to do this. We're going to come out uninspired, listless, emotionless, turn the ball over, give this team some short feels, go down three scores. That's what we're going to do. Unacceptable and inexcusable. 
and talk about that over the course of the afternoon. Hey, I will say this. It's going to be unacceptable and inexcusable if you are not here. I have ice cold Bud Light before me. We are at Buffalo Wild Wings. This is one of the best Buffalo Wild Wings locations anywhere. We're in Plainfield. I'm looking for you in Plainfield today. I've got tickets to give away, but we can talk a lot of Colts. We have great food. See, I know. I'm getting videotaped right now. I'm sorry. If you guys watch it on YouTube Live, you can see it. Uh, Great food, Monday night football, and more right here at the Buffalo Wild Wings location. Buffalo Wild Wings brings us what is a Bud Light Blue Monday, but I get to get a lot of reaction from you, and we will at 239-1070. Email address is jmv at radio-1.com. A lot of you are asking about the app. I think the app, much like this Colts team, is a bit foobar right now. So here's what I want you to do. You do have options. One of the options would be go to YouTube Live and join the lounge via YouTube Live. I think the stream from the website is working right now, too. So i tell you what, until I am told that the app is no longer foobar, let's find alternative means. Right? Let's find something different to do to make sure that you get to me and my voice gets to you, and you have your essential time to react to it. So inside the lounge via YouTube Live, if you want to go to the stream as well, that is also working. I know, again, a lot of questions regarding that. And if you want to jump on 93.5107.5 FM-wise as well, you can do that. Jay Query is going to join us coming up at the top of the 4 o'clock hour, 5 o'clock hour. Bob Kravitz, Bob Kravitz had a column in The Athletic about the time is – I'm going to put words on – on paper and printout for him. I don't know if he said uh, the time is ticking away on the head coach. Exact words, but it is. There's no doubt. I'm not suggesting anything's going to happen during the season, but the clock is definitely ticking on him. It depends on the level of embarrassment, I would guess. I would still be shocked if a change was made, but Chris Rosser is probably lucky this is a short week. That will definitely get him another game. I don't know the offensive line coach. I don't know how much longer he's going to last after this. What an uninspiring first half that led to that loss. It is all right there. And everybody can be happy about how they played in the second half and hung in and made a game of it. Forget about it. It's that first half you got to count on, that first half that you have to concentrate on. Inexcusable. All right, more to come on the other side. 239-1070. Kyle, get me some phone calls. We got a lot more for you. Buffalo Wild Wings in Plainfield with Bud Light on a blue Monday, 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. The Ride with JMV. Don't read your email because I'm really butthurt when you read your email. Uh... 93.5 and 107.5. The fan. Second Third and ten. Hines is in the game as the running back in motion as Paris Campbell to the near sideline. Ryan slips, stays on his feet, going for the home run, shot downfield for Alec Pierce. He's got it inside the 30 to the 25, and he's tackled forward to the 22-yard line. Matt Taylor on the call right there. That was a nice catch. Alec Pierce had a couple. The rookie, good for him. The tight ends played well. Good for them. But again, let's stop lowering the bar on the hey they're still in it bull crap let's stop doing that and especially in comparison to how we talked about last year last year sucked well you saw them come back last year yeah listen okay great october hey great some november 
It started terrible and it ended terrible. Don't use that as an example. And even with the Rivers here, had to add an extra playoff spot to get in there. This is not how it's supposed to be. A lot of you are asking me right now, I'm going to get to the calls in just a second, by the way. Buffalo Wild Wings in Plainfield. The Bud Light Robot is hanging around here. I think the Bud Light Robot is in a much much better mood than what I am right now as far as this. I'm just, that first half, I could not even watch the second half without being critical of the first. I know that sounds weird, right? I know you're supposed to feel better when your team, the team you're covering in this case, plays better in the second half, but I didn't. Just knowing what had been said, knowing what was on the line, and that group coming out there and getting down three scores in truly embarrassing fashion in the first half is unacceptable. I don't care if they did come back. Again, this is not how it's supposed to be. It's unacceptable. And I know we'll get to the coach in just a second, too, because I got a lot of tweets. Players, how do you come out that listless and uninspired? Anybody? This leadership we hear all about all the time, where is it? The tough-talking quarterback, where is it? I got news for you, too. The tough-talking quarterback can do all of that dialogue, but guys around him are going to go, hey, dude, can you stop fumbling the stinking football here? Seriously. It's okay. Go ahead and give us your quarterback inspiration. Fantastic. But can you hold on to the football a little bit? Ten times? I'll be honest with you. This, this Colts team, the one thing that they've looked like that they've worked a lot on is scramble mode when the quarterback fumbles the football. They're, they actually have been good at that, trying to get it back, I guess. If you're looking for something positive, there it is. All right, where was I going here regarding the Frank Wright question? I think somebody had asked me this. I'll get to the calls in just a second, and I'd probably uh, lost it. Uh, JMV, do you think Frank Reich has lost the locker room? I said this a little bit earlier. I'm not in the locker room. I don't know if he's lost the locker room or not. But I will tell you this. If I'm the owner and I make these impassioned speeches, I make these declarations, I tell everybody how it should be and what they should expect, that's the first thing that needs to stop. He needs to stop telling everybody what he expects if that is what you're going to get as a result. But you watch that first half? A lot of inspiration going on there. How would you take that? If there was an easy path to go, somebody like me that wasn't in the locker room, I don't know how these guys feel about their head coach right now. But if you were just going to make a judgment, Knowing where this team is, knowing how big that game was yesterday, knowing how this team has done you in the past, and knowing how your owner feels about it. If you're Jim Ursay, how do you take yesterday's start of the game? How do you take that first half? It sure as hell looks like that the head coach has lost the locker room. 
Let's even saw Matt Overton, the former long snapper here, mention, hey, this is just kind of how the Colts start. I, why? Where's the common thread here? Where's the common theme? Or better said, who's the common theme? The head coach? Why do they get off the bad starts? You've tried all this change. You tried a training camp change. So where's the issue? Who's the issue? Who would you have to blame that on? I know that it's easy, but that's exactly how it looks. It looks like it is all on him. Why can't you get these guys to stop it? A banged-up Tennessee team. A bad Houston team. It's all the same. The only real good feeling you have against Kansas City is because Kansas City made the deadly mistake. Zoom just ended. Fire that back up again. That's the part that drives me nuts. So, yeah, I mean, I have, if I'm watching, and if I'm making a judgment call on this, the only judgment I can possibly go to is, yeah, that's absolutely the way that it looks. And if I'm Jim Ursay, that certainly is how it looks to me. I'd stop making videos. I would stop making declarations. Well, this is how it's going to be, and this is what we have to see. I'd stop doing all of it because clearly others within this organization don't have your back on it. And then all that happens, you end up getting clowned, and you have to stay off of Twitter for about 12 hours. (laughs) I just, that was so uninspiring and maddening. And I know what a lot of you are saying. Oh, you should be used to that by now. That, that, that was at a different level to me BS yesterday than anything else. It just was. Frankly, I'm sick of watching it. I'm sick of watching it. I'm sick of seeing it. I can't imagine how some of those guys have to feel about it within that organization. When is enough going to be enough? Seriously. When you guys stop going, when you guys stop paying attention, when apathy sets in, I'm going to tell you what, when apathy sets in, it's hard to reel that back in. I know all you have to do is win. All right, well, if you win a little bit and look good a little bit, now you wouldn't have to worry about having to reel it back in in the first place. The whole thing just pisses me off. Braden's at 239-1070. Hello, Braden. Jump on the show. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Go ahead. Um, So question for you. What's going on with the kicker situation? Why can't we kick anything over 50? Why is that a discussion with the coach? Because they have kickers that aren't very good. They have kickers that aren't very good. Exactly. They do. I know they had, they had Michael Badgley. What did he go three for three yesterday? Because that was not, they said it was a priority in training camp. They had a guy, they had this competition and I don't believe that to be much of a competition, and this is what you're left with right now. Again, let's cross our fingers and hope it's going to work out. And, you know, then, you know, week number one, you know, Blankenship, you know, he was one of those scapegoats, like Danny Pinter was yesterday. Danny, Danny here's what we're going to do. We're going to change the right guard, as if that's going to have any profound effect on how this offensive line has been playing. All right, fine, make the change, but... That is scapegoating somebody. Danny Pinter got scapegoated yesterday. Blankenship was scapegoated back in week one. And clearly to this point with this team, the scapegoat of the summer, the spring, and the winter was Carson Wentz. So you got three scapegoats, and up next is going to be the offensive line coach. Brayden, anything else? 
Nope, that's it. Just wanted to ask yeah. that question. Yep, that's it. This is not very good. Not very good. Can't count on it. I mean, especially, I mean, anything of length, forget about it. I mean, you're inside. I know the roof, and I know the window's open. You're inside. Chuck's up next at 239-1070. Hello, Chuck. How are you? Corey, I'm sorry. Chuck, this is Corey. Hello, Corey. Hey, John. How are you? I'm fantastic, Corey. How about you? I'm, well, I'm good. I'm good. Um, so for the first time in my 40 years of existence on this earth, I left a Colts game early yesterday. Um, I kept trying to tell my dad, who was blatantly, ridiculously optimistic about the game, like, they're going to mess this up. Just wait. They'll mess it up. And I just have a hard time dealing with the fact that we've invested so much money into an offensive line that like I used to play for Hamilton Southeastern, you know that. And I'm pretty sure if we would have lined up the guys from HSE uh, against Tennessee, they would have fared better than the Colts did yesterday. Having said that, I'm not, I I know that you are um, a big uh, movie aficionado and, Sure. You uh, you you listen. You you watch a lot of old movies. But remember in Apollo thirteen, when Ed Harris looked at all of his staff at NASA and said, "What do we have on this ship that's good?" Oh yeah. I, I'm I'm curious at this point. What do we have on this ship that is good? The Odyssey is dying, John. It's dying. Yeah. Yeah. The Odyssey Odyssey is the philosophy of Chris Ballard. Yes, that's the way that it looks. Our money that we've got invested in these guys, it's long-term. Like, we we are in trouble. Corey, thank you for the call. I would agree with you on that. And before you go, oh, wait a minute. I don't want to hear the second half. I don't want to hear about last week. I want to see some consistency. I don't want to see a first half of absolute emotionless, listless play from a team that, if it didn't know better, then you got to find other team members that do. Do You do. If you don't know better, if you don't know the implications of that game, then find others that will know, that do know. Seriously. Seriously. We'll get back to the offensive line coming up in a minute. Jay Query, top of the hour, is going to join us. Bob Kravitz of The Athletic in the 5 o'clock hour. We are with our friends at Buffalo Wild Wings in Plainfield. I would love to see you out here. I guarantee you that my mood is still cool here. I'm at least drinking ice cold Bud Light, which is good. Um, I just, the, the first half yesterday, I could have gone on. I almost did something on Facebook, and I thought, yeah, yeah I'm just going to save it for the show. The, the first half, I don't know if you watched me on 59 last night. The first half so pissed me off yesterday. It just did. And, and I, it shouldn't, I, I shouldn't get mad about it, but I really kind of got mad about it. I just did. Because now we're down this path of, to me, what is going to be a great unknown, something Corey alluded to a moment ago. We'll get back to that. Again, Jay Query, top of the hour. Bob Kravitz, 5 o'clock hour. Buffalo Wild Wings in Plainfield. Bud Light Blue Monday. I've got Jaguars Colts tickets to give away. I've got an autograph helmet to give away to all a part of Blue Monday. 93.5107. Five the fan. The Ride with JMV. This will be the high point of my day. 
It's all downhill from here. 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Clock is moving, though, under eight minutes here in this third period, setting up second down and goal as they spot the ball at the seven-yard line. They have really had trouble with crossing patterns down in here. Uh, you know, we, you know, we hit Mo Alley before. They have they they lose their coverage on crossing routes. Branson goes and splits out to the right side along with two other tight ends, Mo Alley Cox and Jelani Woods. Now Branson motions to the left. Now back to the right side. Ryan catches the pass, throws left side into the end zone, walking in, touchdown! Mo Ali Cox, his second touchdown today. It's all tied into the red zone for the Colts. It's 24 to 16. Matt Taylor, Rick Venturi, and a shout out to Rick for the call right there. Getting that bad boy right going into it. A little prediction as we start hour two. Buffalo Wild Wings. You know I love Buffalo Wild Wings, and I love this location in Plainfield. I'm looking for you here. It's a Bud Light Blue Monday. We've got tickets to give away for the Jacksonville game. We've got an autograph helmet to give away, too. Monday Night Football tonight. Just great food, and this Plainfield location is fantastic. Always has been. I'd love to see all of my Hendricks County, Morgan County friends out here later on this afternoon. Like Ross is out there as well to hang out with us on this Blue Monday. Brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. Awesome time just yesterday. Not so much. Got into that. The Colts loss. Short week coming up. Denver on Thursday. Shaquille Leonard, Tyquan Lewis ruled out both concussions. I believe both. I know certainly Leonard was friendly fire from Zaire Franklin. I think both kind of were friendly fire from yesterday as well. And we'll find out. I think news at least now sounds better for Jonathan Taylor uh, than initially did. A dinged-up Jonathan Taylor, though, even playing with the amount of space this offensive line has given him to run has been absolutely ridiculous. And, um, yes, you probably noticed that the sound of me so far today, I was was a little hot about that first half of play yesterday. And I think rightly so. At some point, you just – at some point, you got to say enough is enough. And I, people want to point to, well, they came back in the second half. I don't care. They still lost. And it was because of the first half. How can you come out like that? What type of profound issue might there be going on? Especially leading up to with what the owner said, what the owner said in the offseason, and that's the first half of play, which I think we can all get on the same page, was absolutely dreadful. So everybody always wants to point the finger to, well, they came back. I don't care. This is not how it's supposed to be. This is not the product that you're supposed to expect. Well, look at last week. They beat Kansas City. I don't care about last week. I mean, hopefully you beat somebody. Hopefully. And you beat Kansas City, great. But you're 0-2-1 and one so far within your own division. And that's, th- that's going to sing you a lullaby before anything else. And then when you lean on, well, this is what this team does, and look what they did last year. What they did last year was crap. It just was. Start out bad, win some games in the middle, construct some false hope for everybody, and then let everybody down spectacularly at the end. Yeah, that was re- that's something I think we all should be talking about. That was fantastic. That was fun. How enjoyable was that? So enough of all this conversation. 
Let's just talk about it in terms of what it was yesterday. And they got buried in the first half. And for whatever reason, they didn't look ready to play. There certainly was no inspiration in their play. It was emotionless. It was far from mistake-free. And the offensive line looked a part of one of the worst offensive lines in the NFL this season. So where do you start? At the head coach? Offensive line coach? The offense? I mean, the defense was put into some bad situations because of the offense. People ask me about Matt Ryan. Oh, Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan had great stats yesterday. But 10 fumbles this season so far. 10 And that's how you play. After an offseason, again, of soaking in it, after a week of hearing about it, after on Thursday, when the owner dropped in the whole primal tweet and all that on video, that is how you start. And then you ask me if the coach, in this case Frank Reich, has lost the locker room. I don't know. I'm not in the locker room. But if you're in terms of trying to eyeball something, you're easily led to believe that that locker room has been lost. This is any question. Get back to that in a second on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. By the way, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, get there. Get inside the conversation. I'll be in there with you momentarily as well. For the morning show, Jake Query joins us from Kevin and Query. Again, on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Pipeline. I, I, there are a lot of things I'm sick of. There are a lot of things that don't affect me, but that first half of play yesterday, and you saw this, you know, up there, I just, I could, shaking my head. It's all stuff we've seen. It's all, unfortunately, stuff we've become used to with this team. But yesterday just struck a chord with me differently than anything else, in particular that first half. What about you? I left, John, if you recall, right about halftime. I was walking out of the press box, and you said, man, you leaving? And I said, you know, I, I, I would like to stay, but I have to go to an algebra tutor from 3 until 6. And my algebra tutor from 3 until 6 was the second most confusing thing I could have partaken in yesterday. And the other was watching that bleep show because I don't get it. I don't understand how as a franchise you can beg and plead for your fans to show up and be primal and be pissed off and be loud. And you can tell us that as a franchise, you're all chips in and you can spout from the mountaintops to anybody that will listen that divisional games are double. And you go out for your third chance to win a divisional game this year. And you have yet to do it. You are as flat as can be. Everybody in that building knows that Derrick Henry is the guy that's going to get the football, and yet whether they throw it to him on a flare, they throw it to him on a sweep, they're running up the middle, everybody seems stunned that he's getting it. That was an inexcusably flat performance from a franchise that has asked everything out of their fan base and not done a single thing that they've asked the fans to do, and that's show up and be committed. It was embarrassing. It should be the, the people here should be PO'd. People should refuse to spend their hard-earned money to go watch that kind of crap again on a beautiful fall day until they see some sort of a commitment that there is some sort of an investment towards bettering it. Because this city that has spent a ton of money on that franchise deserves better. Jay Cray, the morning show is with us. People ask me, has the head coach lost the locker room? And I don't know because I'm not in there. But at the same time, if you are going to define 
a head coach losing the locker room in terms of the buildup and the lead-up, especially with all that was provided by the owner leading up to that game, that looked like a coach that lost his locker room in that first half. That's, that's oh, how yeah. it looked. And I know that's easily cliched away, but if you were going to eyeball it, that's exactly what it looks like. John, let me say this. I think Jim Mersey is a, is a good person. I think he's a well-intended, kind-hearted person. I think Frank Reich is a good person. I don't know him well, but I think he is a well-intended, good-spirited, good man. I think Chris Ballard is, has very good virtues about him. He clearly is a family guy that has a kind heart. However, none of that wins you football games. And when you ask me if Frank Reich has lost the locker room, I'm not certain, and I agree with you. I mean, we're not in the locker room. Anybody that claims they are, unless they're a member of the roster, is lying to you. However, I don't know that we can answer that because to lose the locker room, you first have to have it. And to to have the locker room means that you've gone on deep runs or you've inspired teams to play better than who they are. Have the Colts under Frank Reich ever played better than who they are? Did he ever have the locker room? Well, I, I was I was thinking, I asked this question, when was the last time we saw a game-wise consistently played performance by the Colts? You go back to Buffalo. Like, it, it's funny. When you think back, Jake, and you were here as well, to um, uh, the last era with, with Pagano and with Grigson and what they wanted to do, they wanted to run the football, and, and kind of that blueprint performance that outlined what they wanted to do and their vision of that team was that game if you remember in San Francisco I think it was Ahmad Bradshaw that was Trent Richardson's first game which you know evokes a lot of great memories Uh, that was like the blueprint of how they wanted to play and then win games and I think you saw last year with Buffalo that was the blueprint of how they want to win games here now with with Chris and Frank the problem is that the blueprint looks certainly more broken right now and unattainable as far as a level of consistent success. These foundational pieces that Chris Ballard has put together to this point, I'm sorry, with the results we have seen, it's failed. John, I said it this morning, and I'm going to repeat it, and my apologies for repeating for those that heard it this morning. But I'm telling you, it reminds me of this. It reminds me of when McLaren came over with Fernando Alonso to run the Indy 500, and everybody's like, oh, my goodness, two-time Formula One world champion plus a team with the resume of McLaren, they're going to be unbelievable. And McLaren came over and sat in their garage and was doing things, and they were way off pace, and they were way off pace, and they were way off pace. And people went to them and said, like, hey, maybe you should try this or try that. And they didn't listen to it. Then it turns out what they had was a car that was set up by design for road and street courses, which is a completely different aerodynamic package than ovals. And they were trying to use the metric system as opposed to the data that was given to them and the, you know, American math system. My point being they, they had the wherewithal and the knowledge and the resume to build a really good race car, but they built it the wrong way. And I feel like the Colts have the wherewithal and probably some of the players to build and be a good football team. But they're doing it in the metric system when the rest of the NFL is doing American math. Chris Ballard was insistent on an archaic form of football that 
you don't win with in 2022. And I don't understand why if everybody in this town could see that, he refused to listen to people when they said, you need playmakers in space. You need wide receivers that can get separation. You need a quarterback that can get rid of the ball quickly and a line that can protect them. And he wouldn't listen to anybody, and he was smarter than everybody. And I get it. I understand the pride. I understand that he does know more about football than I do. But at the same time, I think that he thought he was playing chess while everyone else was playing checkers. And eventually you've got to realize that if everybody in the room is playing checkers, the only way to win at checkers is to play that and not play chess. And I just think that's where they are. And and I don't know how you reverse it at this point. And again, I want to go back to also, John, you and I both know if they win Thursday night in Denver, everything's peachy keen and everybody's a genius again, except for that they've played three divisional games now and they have yet to win one. That is a huge, huge, huge hole to bury yourself out. Well, and we got to say, Jake Cray joins us. We, we got to stop lowering the bar. I mean, I, I, I hear about you know these. Well, this is this is the team that they are. Look what they did last year. And I, I've told everybody last year sucked. All right, there there was no greatness in last year. All right, last year sucked at the beginning, and then they won some games, and then it sucked at the end. I mean, basically what you lean on last year was the New England game, the Buffalo game, and then that Christmas night game in Arizona. And that was it. I mean, it was sucked at the beginning, sucked at the end. You know, two years prior, you get to the postseason because they add a postseason spot. So I, I don't really know what people want to lean on as, well, this is what this team does because there's no greatness in what this team does. And part of the issue in which, Jake, you allude to here is this offensive line. You put all of this stock all of these resources in this offensive line, and it just hasn't failed to this point or been bad, right? It has failed miserably to this point, and that is going to lead ultimately to the failure of this entire team. You can't make up for that with this team, with a 37-year-old quarterback, with an inexperienced group of pass catchers. You cannot get up off the mat if that offensive line not just plays bad football, but continues to dwell in the depths in which we have seen so far. There is just no way. And by the way, if that is what this team is, if that's who they are, that's going to have a profound Jake effect on the future. There's no doubt about that. There's going to be some effect on the future with paying guys like Smith, with you know paying guys like Kelly. Quentin Nelson got worked a couple of different times by Danico Autry on Sunday. I'm sorry if you're paid at that level, that crap can't happen. You start right there. Their failures lead us to where this team has been so far this year. I totally agree. I mean the line itself look don't don't tell me that you don't need to go out and spend on they're under the cap. They're under the cap because they didn't need to spend on receivers and playmakers because they were going to build in the trenches. Well, guess what? The trenches yesterday got their asses kicked. Plain and simple. Plain and simple. Quentin Nelson, $20 million a year, and the guy you let walk is turnstiling him. People should be PO'd. And, again, it's early in the year. A quarter of the season does not a season make. But they got some glaring, glaring, glaring problems they need to get fixed, and they need to get fixed quickly. Yeah, and that's the problem overall, Jake, is you look at it and there doesn't look like there's any hope whatsoever. I mean, there that's doesn't. The problem, John. I mean, where, where's the light at the end of the tunnel? What's the future? Yeah, I know. Matt, Ro- I know. Matt Ryan is going to be – Matt Ryan's going to be sipping cocktails on, you know, Kiowa Island here in three years 
or, or you know, or back in Philly, his hometown, whatever it might be. Uh, so, where, so then, what do you then? Where do you turn? Uh, what, what's the answer? I mean, every every team in the AFC that they're contending with right now, and I realize that that football is a now game and not a future game, but but where is the light at the end of the tunnel here? Because if you're just going with quarterback rotation every two years, getting I mean, I've seen this movie. I've seen Gary Hogaboom. I've seen Don Bukowski. I've seen Chris Chandler. I've seen Craig Erickson. I've seen Steve Walsh. I've seen Jack Trudeau. I've seen Jim Harbaugh. I've seen Paul Justin. I've seen Ricky Turner. I've seen this quarterback rotation crap every two years. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And so what do you do? The franchises that have competency up top, instead of sitting around and talking, they went out and they found their guy. And guess what? Now the Chargers and the Bills and the Chiefs and the, and the Bengals, I mean, sure, it helps to have the number one overall pick. I get it. It's easier said than done. I totally get that, too. But they have had opportunities. The Andrew Luck excuse is long gone, man. It's long gone. Long gone. I'm telling you, man, yeah. people should be PO'd. No, and I agree, and that's, that's the direction that they're going. I would rather them right now be going off on that first half of play because the other side of that is you hear people going, hey, you know what? I decided to go out and do algebra. Or I decided to go out and do something else in the afternoon. I, there was something other I would rather be doing than watching that game. And I know that winning cures all, but when you've kind of you, you fallen for it, you know, the level of winning, you keep lowering the bar on it right here. And that's problematic. That leads to apathy. And apathy is pure evil against a sports team, especially a sports team in a market this side. It just is. John, here's what, and Kevin pointed this out yesterday on Twitter. I, I, and I, I had this epiphany this morning, and he's like, yeah, man, I tweeted that yesterday. But Kevin's typically a step ahead of me. I get it. But look at the divisional games. All we hear about is how divisional games mean double. And you got to be yeah. ready for divisional games. And we need the crowd to be pissed and primal and whatever, energetic. Da, da, da. Let's look at what they've done. Yesterday in the first half against Tennessee, down 24-3. Against Jacksonville in the, top, in the game, down 24 nothing. Against Houston on the road, down 20-3. What? Like, don't ask me to get prepared and excited for a divisional game when you come out and you're getting outscored like that in the first half of these games. That's either terrible execution complete apathy by your locker room or terrible game planning. I don't know which it is, but none of those are a good combination. I mean, if no. I'm, Mercer, no. I'm livid, livid. Yeah, but at the same time, you can be livid, but, you know, if you just kind of just let her go here, I mean, he, Jim Mercer has has gone without a great deal of criticism through all this. But when the same things, Jake, continue to happen, and then you get that whole rah-rah speech, and then you have a first half like we saw yesterday and another rah-rah speech, another first half, or another result that we have seen so far, and all of a sudden then the owner is going to be the one talked about. And, and rightly so, because it's your team. There's no doubt about it. But I, I just they're in such to me, a problematic situation. I felt yesterday that loss, that loss was a microcosm of how this team was built and the foundational building blocks failing it at a high level. And 
that's not just bad for this year. That's going to be bad for years further down the road. That's that's more problematic than, you know, just a, a weekend, for example, Jake, in October. It is. I, I can't disagree, man. I mean, I do think that Jim Irsay, you know, there, there's a long book that could probably be written about it because I think that Jim Irsay, in his defense and to his credit, saw the kind of owner and the volatility and what it did to the franchise of his father's shortcomings. And Jim Irsay has worked tirelessly to not be his father. But I think at some point, maybe that goes, that pendulum swings almost detrimentally to the other side where now all of a sudden people don't necessarily fear your volatility because, and you're going out and you're doing things to be engaging for people and to be fun. And I love all of that, but that's all well and good until you're, until the primary reason that people see you is not delivering. And that is as an owner of a franchise that people feel, and whether it's right or wrong, Jim Mersey is the sole independent owner of the Indianapolis Colts, but people that give good hard earned money and the NFL is a business and an expensive one. And people that are working hard, making forty-five, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year, hourly wage, whatever it might be, when they give a certain percentage of their income to go down, park, buy a ticket, go to a game, buy a beer, buy a hot dog, that investment they feel gives them an entitlement to what they consider to be a subtle ownership of the franchise. It doesn't mean that literally to do so, but that's the emotion that fans have towards the franchise. And it's important that Jim Irsay feel that connection to those fans and is philanthropic to them, and I get that. But at the same time, then come with that comes a responsibility to have people know or feel or assume that you're not afraid to go in there and kick a boot around a little bit when the team's not playing well. And I think right now people are starting to question whether or not his desire to not be his father is holding him back from – tightening the fist the way it needs to be tightened on having the grip of his franchise. And that's Jay Cray, the morning. Yep. Jay Cray, the morning show, Kevin and Query weekday morning, seven until 10 a.m. with us via the Andy Moore automotive group pipeline, Buffalo wild wings in Plainfield on a blue Monday with our friends from Buffalo wild wings and Bud light today. Great to see you out here. Jay Watkins had tweeted me this. I didn't know this. I didn't know if you'd heard it. He said that McAfee said on his show today that Jelani Woods was kept out of the game. For a majority of the snaps over texting during mass on Sunday, is that true? I mean, Jerry's normally—I wouldn't read this just from a random dude. He's normally somebody that listens to a lot. Have you heard that? I have not heard that. That's the first I've not heard of that. Um, but Woods was in there a lot yesterday, wasn't he? I thought that he was. I, I didn't really notice. Maybe it's because the tight end group did all the work yesterday offensively. That's the reason why I didn't notice it. But I was just kind of curious. I just saw that, and I hadn't heard that anywhere else. I had not heard that. And I'm looking, of course, my computer's freezing up here. But I'm curious how many – didn't he get a lot of targets yesterday? Because I remember thinking at one point, like, here we go. Like, they're really relying – I mean, their tight end group in general seemed to get a lot of looks yesterday, partially out of necessity, but partially because they played well. And, and I would put yeah. Woods in that category. I mean, I remember yesterday – he had one really good play there in the first half. Um, so I had not heard that. I'm looking right now. I think I've got it here in just a second on how many targets he got yesterday. Um, Jelani Woods yesterday, uh, he only had one catch for 33 yards. I take it back, he only had one target, so I stand corrected. 
but they did use the tight ends a lot. I mean, obviously, Grant yeah. got a lot of catches, so, you know. Jelani Woods, according to Kyle back at the studio, played 15 snaps. Okay. You would think coming off of a two-touchdown performance, maybe more than that, so maybe there's some accuracy to that. Well, the, one of the reasons I wouldn't have thought about it was because they, they didn't have the tight ends had success. I mean, between, you know, he, or I should say Mo Ali cox and Kylan Granson, uh, those are the guys that, that made most of the offensive plays yesterday against the Tennessee Titans. So that's, that's I guess, why I didn't think about it in that context. But I, I hadn't heard that until just now. I I also had not heard that. But, I mean, Pat would know, I would think, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's weird, too, because, man, that offers up. That goes inside the inside right now, and you know how that goes over there. <laughs> that won't go very well, will it? That kind of insight on the inside of what's going on right there. So That is true. Yeah, no doubt. Jake Quarry, the morning show, is is with us. So what do you think? You get a long week next week. Does, does uh, Chris Rosser, the offensive line coach, because uh, I kind of feel this way right now, is this kind of the last stand here? If this offensive line struggles in Denver coming up on Thursday night, then you roll into a long week. Uh, to get ready for the next week because um, we've seen examples made of, you know, Danny Pinter, which is laughable. We've seen, you know, Blankenship, uh, which clearly yesterday didn't give you any good signs with McLaughlin missing that kick. But will this be the next example of things continue to go so woefully for this offensive line? I mean, they got to play well. They got to improve and they got to play well. I don't – I personally don't think that the Colts – because, look, I'm frustrated – I know fans are frustrated. I'm trying to speak on behalf of fans to an extent. Maybe that's unfair of me. But I feel like people are frustrated and need their voice. You know, they, they want their voices heard about what – so I'm, I'm playing that role, I guess, to an extent. But I also don't think they're terrible. And I think – I do – I know people hate hearing it. I do kind of agree when they say that they're not far off from being competitive and being good, and this division is so bad. They've dug themselves a huge hole, man, a huge hole. But it's still early enough that there is – I mean, I've, we've seen Colts teams in the past where then they get hot and, th- you know, the, the season ebbs and flows an awful lot. There was a time last year where we thought they were the best team in the league and then they missed the playoffs. So, I mean, a lot can happen. So, I don't know. I do think that Jim Mersey wants to be stable and wait until an offseason to make moves. But they got to play well in Denver. And if they don't, then they can start taking on water quickly. There's no doubt about it. I can't imagine they're going to go out and do it. Would it surprise you at all? I said this going into Kansas City. Remember, I said, you know, look, they'll probably beat Kansas City. And they did. Would it surprise – Denver's got their own issues. Denver's got their own problems. Um, going in there probably doesn't help because it's on the road and, and the altitude. But I, Denver isn't, isn't overly imposing. But if they don't play well, it wouldn't shock me if there were changes made. But I wouldn't anticipate it, to be honest with you. But maybe I'm what, what's, Yeah, what, what's funny about this is I, I just I, – I guess I look at it more negatively here. I, I, don't, I don't see redeeming qualities where this team is going to be capable of stringing together productive quarters in, you know, in, in the, at the level in which is going to be necessary here. And, and this is not just coming with a slow start or, you know, it's just – it seems to me this offensive line is broken. And if this offensive line is broken, this team is going to be broken. They're scoring 14 points a game. 
That doesn't get any better if this offensive line doesn't I improve. Mean, and, Jake, it has to improve so drastically. I, I just I don't have in my mind a belief that they're going to be able to do it. I just don't. I mean, let, let's look at the offensive line. you got a right side of the line that's broken. you got a left side of the line that's got one guy you just paid $20 million to that just basically was the most hospitable guest of all on Danico Autry's return. And you've got a center who I, I realize and understand and respect has probably gone through some some tough personal times, but is not playing well at all. I, I mean, your your staple on your line is supposed to be Quentin Nelson, and and, and he's regressed. Yeah, I, I he got worked yesterday regressed. too. Yeah, yeah, brutal. Mm. And the other thing too, think about left tackle for a moment. You you brought up the arrogance of Ballard earlier. The arrogance that you believe that you can put a guy that predominantly has been a guard in his time at the NFL who has played less than sparingly at left tackle. You could put him at left tackle. He could be a starting left tackle for a successful team with what is supposed to be a great offensive line and a 37-year-old quarterback. That You look at that right now, and this is not all about Matt Pryor. I'm just making an example of this. That seems like one of the worst decisions of all time. Who in the hell thinks that? In this era of the NFL and knowing how important that position is, who thinks that that's going to work? Why would that work? You know, the left tackle position for the Colts has been like the credit card where you feel like you just keep making the monthly payments and you're going to be okay. Uh, Eventually that interest compounds and you find yourself underwater. And that's what's happened, man. That interest has come I, back to yeah. You know, I just I, um, I, I don't get I don't it. get I got it. no answer there. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't. I mean, the maybe it's a position they just took for granted for so long because they had two guys that did it for so long. I Let me know. tell you this: I, I made the, and everybody has told me it's ridiculous. So okay, it's ridiculous. I had made how long the argument of, hey, if you're going to pay this guy twenty million dollars, having play left tackle. And then everybody oh, laughed at my ass. I mean, including including Ballard in a press conference laughed at it. Okay, that's fine. Laugh at it. But to me, it would be more logical in doing that than it would what they ultimately did at that position. Listen, I hosted four shows with Anthony Costanzo and played ping pong with him twice. And I knew a year ahead of time he was going to retire. So how the hell did they not? Yeah, I just, You know what um, I mean? That, that one's... And again, this is not an indictment on prior because there's plenty of this lack of love to go around. You just think about what goes into that decision making and why anybody thinks that that would work. It had, you know, you can have success at that. What is necessary here long term? And I, listen, I know Jonathan Taylor fumbled yesterday. Um, Jonathan Taylor has nowhere to go. Nowhere. Hey, by the way, too, Naheem Hines had, yeah, I'm going to paraphrase this quote where he said, hey, this is no excuse, but we've had a different quarterback every year. And when you read that quote, it sounds like that that is a subtle shot at Chris Ballard. I don't know if you've read that quote or not, but maybe that's something you could comment on when you read it further coming up tomorrow morning. But it, it kind of it struck me as a bit of a, a shot. Even if it was an unintended shot, it, it sounded like a shot at Ballard. And that's a guy in Naeem Hines who's always pretty much taken the, the company line. You know what I mean? Like, he's an optimistic guy. He's a professional. He's a nice guy. Um, I, I get the feeling there's some dissension within. I don't know that. I'm not 
I'm not at practices, but it just feels that way, right? It feels like there's guys not happy with their roles. And this is what happens, man. You start teetering and you start balancing, and before you know it, man, that season can get away from you and all hell breaks loose. And I hope that's yeah. not where they are right now, but it feels like it's teetering that way. There just has not been enough positive and especially positive strung together here consistently for anybody to believe that a turnaround is coming. And, again, I'll address this. What, what type of turnaround are you talking about? A turnaround like last year? I mean, it, it, I just, we we've just have lowered the bar so much in expectations week after week here. It's pretty sickening, I think. And I'm, I'm you know, I, I sit here and I can tell you this. I'm tired of it. Watching that first half yesterday, I, I don't get emotional about these games. I try to remain as even keel as possible. But that first half of play pissed me off. I thought it was a joke. Totally agree. Totally agree. Hey, why do you think I left to go do algebra? <laughs> I, I didn't want to do that. <laughs> but I wasn't about to do that. But I, um, I, I'm just, that, that is tired. It, just knowing what was on the line and all that stuff we've already talked about. I just, it, um, it, is, it is bad, strikingly bad, how a team can come out there and put together a half of football. Um, knowing what was on the line, knowing what has totally. been said, and, and knowing that that's coming from the owner. And if I'm the owner and somebody asks me, do you think your head coach has lost the locker room? I think that's the greatest example that we could see so far was that first half yesterday, regardless yeah. of coming back in the second half. Because let's face it, the game was over. The game was done in the first half. They were done into the first half. I mean, I really felt like when I left and Mo Cox had just scored, I thought, you know what, if they can get a stop to start the second half, they're going to be okay. And then I, I, I couldn't believe they couldn't get it going, man. Couldn't believe it. All right. So, he went to do – good food yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I don't mind being up there because you and uh, Widlick provide some pretty decent entertainment for me up there. I just that, – that, that first half – and people have told me already, well, you know, why don't you expect this? Yeah, yeah, I don't expect that. I expect much more. This is not how it's supposed to be here. And that's what we're talking about today at length. Jake, I appreciate it. Tomorrow morning at 7 a.m., you're back. Bob Kravitz joins us tomorrow morning. We'll talk about this. We'll replay some of our Jeff Saturday comments from this morning. So a lot to talk about to continue talking about what happened yesterday. You got it. Jake Query, the morning show, Kevin and Query. Jake, thank you very much. Weekday morning, 7 until 10 a.m. Yeah, I know. A lot of you are going, man, you sound like extra crotchety today. This might be, oh, man, I'm way over. I'll go into this. I'll go into maybe. This is not the reason why, but it adds to the crotchety nature in which I'm in right now. Buffalo Wild Wings, Plainfield, Bud Light. We're coming to you on a chance for you to win some tickets to the Jaguars game and a helmet, autographs, and everything coming up here a little bit later on. Don't go anywhere. 93.5107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. It takes him a second to get on the stool because he's under 5 feet tall. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Colton plus territory. Ryan out of the gun. Naeem Hines in motion to the right side. Play action. Ryan fires up field, wide open to the 20 at the 15. It's Jelani Woods bouncing off tacklers, and he's finally wrestled down around the five-yard line for a gain of 33 for Jelani Woods. Matt Taylor, voice of the Colts right there. 
Uh, we got Colts Roundtable Live coming up at the top of the hour. Do you know, um, Kyle, who's on Roundtable Live tonight? Is it going to be still Frank Reich? I think normally in a short week, I don't think Frank is on, but maybe Ballard steps in. I have not Anything? seen. Uh, no, I haven't either. Wait and see. Hey, Matt Taylor, if you're listening right now, Send me a text and let me know. I'm just kind of curious. I want to get Airport Jimmy on YouTube Live, but we are rebooting right now. But Airport Jimmy is here. He is a big-time fan of the show. He is a big-time participant inside the lounge via YouTube Live. But Airport Jimmy is here, and I'm rocking Jay Stone Company, which is fishing apparel in honor. Jay jstoneco.com jstoneco.com it is fishing apparel and i'm rocking the active wear courtesy of airport jimmy we'll get you on in just a second let me go ahead again buffalo wild wings and Plainfield, our location it is a blue monday we got your opportunity to win tickets to the Jacksonville game. Got your chance to win an autographed helmet coming up to got a Monday nighter. Great food, a great place. Buffalo Wild Wings, Plainfield with Bud Light. Our friends from Zinc are all here, which is always awesome to see everybody. Again, Buffalo Wild Wings, we are in Plainfield today. So join us here. Monday Night Football is welcoming up. Meantime, of the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. He is a friend of the show. He's from The Athletic. Bob Kravitz is with us right now. Bob, I saw all your column that you had in The Athletic. As sands through the hourglass, so are the days of our lives and the clock ticking on some coaches. If this were, you think, a regular week or if this team offensive line-wise plays to what we have seen so far consistently this week on Thursday night, what do you think that might mean for the O-line coach, Chris Drosser? Yeah, I think, uh, I think he's kind of uh, living on borrowed time at this point. Um, you know, look, since 2019, uh, they've declined, at least in my view. Uh, even though Jonathan Taylor ran – you know, for a, a franchise high uh, record last year, um, they weren't that great in pass protection. You know, part of that was Wentz, but part of that was them. And yeah. right now, there's a disconnect somewhere. You know, uh, and look, is it all his fault? No. I mean, guys are not playing. Braden Smith is not having the type of season that you would expect. Uh, Ryan Kelly, Quentin Nelson got run over. Uh, yesterday and gave up one of the few sacks of his career. So nobody is covering themselves in glory at this point, but you can't fire them. They've got contracts and you can move off of a offensive line coach. So I think that he is, uh, he, he's, uh, he needs a big effort on Thursday night. If he hopes to, you know, keep his job. So Bob Kravitz joins us. You know, you get back to last year and you're right. They weren't very good last year at all. You even go back to that year with the Rivers. It was a struggle keeping him upright early. And then once they got used to the quick rhythm thing, I always thought that maybe their improvement two years ago, maybe this is a backhanded compliment, but I always thought that it was more because of his quick release, his snap and the ball was out than it was them being incredible at protecting him. Right. No, I mean, I mean, Rivers, uh, you know, he always got rid of the ball in two point, whatever, three seconds. Uh, right now, uh, Ryan's around 2.6 something. My, my editor, Jim Aiello, just uh, tweeted that out a short time ago. Uh, 
the problem is he's getting hit constantly. And, you know, we knew that there would be a, a decline in the quality of play, but it's not like, it's not like Eric Fisher or Mark Lowinski were pro bowl players. I mean, they were average at best. Fisher was playing one year after a, a, after an Achilles tear. So it's not like you're going from Quentin Nelson to a UDFA. You were going, you know, from Mark Lewinsky to, you know, to uh, Danny Pinter, who I think is better suited to center than he is right guard. But it's not a good sign when you've already had to bench your right guard and your left tackle uh, was sharing snaps with a, with a rookie who is really a project in Ryman. So, um, you know, it, it, you can't – it's got to be on the coach. I mean, it's somebody yeah. going to have to be, um, you know, taken to task for this, and it's not going to be Frank Reich, and not at this point, certainly not Ballard, it's not anybody else. I think Chris Strasser um, is uh, really on the hot seat. So Bob Kravitz of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I, I mentioned this, and this is well beyond just the level of play yesterday, the disappointment, the way that they came out emotionless, listless, and got worked and, you know, fell so far behind you ultimately lose and you couldn't get back. It is what we're talking about here. The offensive line, and certainly to a degree as well, the defensive line, both foundational building blocks of the blueprint of Chris Ballard. And, Bob, you look at it, especially the offensive line, this is failing. And this is not only failing in the now, Bob, but it's failing. This will have a profound effect for the foreseeable future with this failure. Uh, yeah, it's gonna, it's gonna. This is gonna be the gift that keeps on giving. I, I don't know how you fix this, uh, certainly in short order, much less down the road. What scares me the most, John, is that I wonder, and I'm not making any loud pronouncement here, but that we're going back six games now, four games this yeah. year and two games last year, when they have consistently not been ready to go, and. While I hold the players largely responsible for that, you have to wonder if they haven't heard this voice for too long. You know, and I never agreed with Larry Bird on this whole idea that, you know, that a coach's voice uh, no longer is heard after a couple of years. Of course, the difference is they play 82 games in the NBA uh, in a season and there's only 17 in the NFL. But, they, whatever you think uh, is, is wrong here, they are not responding to Frank Reich uh, and this coaching staff right now. Listen, we're not in the locker room with the players and the staff, but after you heard an offseason, and if he wasn't talking about Carson Wentz leaving – he was talking about the importance of beating this Tennessee team. And I, I thought, Bob, to the point where Jim Mercy was kind of smitten with Vrabel and that entire operation of the Titans because of their past two years of success at a level and a vision in which I think he viewed or was sold how this Colts team was going to look with Ballard and Reich. And then you have last week. And, you know, that, that plea again via social media of come out, be primal. And you know how important it is to the owner. And then, Bob, they come out completely flat, emotionless and listless in that first half. Even though we're not in the locker room, 
to me, you could eyeball that and immediately draw the conclusion that that's on the coach and he no longer has a voice that is going to inspire anybody in that locker room. Yeah, I just don't I don't hear it resonating with, with these players. I mean, look, there is, whatever you think, there is a ton of talent here. I mean, they didn't have seven Pro Bowl players last year by accident, and those guys are, are back. So I, I, it's just hard for me to understand. It's hard for me to understand how an offensive line who, and this is a team that devotes a higher percentage of its cap to the offensive line than any other team. That's the area that you're most concerned about. Um, you know, I could see short-term issues here and there uh, with, with the new guys, with Pryor, uh, with Pinter, whoever the hell is playing right guard uh, on a given day. But for them, top to bottom to be so, uh, you know, underachieving is mind-boggling to me. I mean, it's not Jonathan Taylor. I can promise you that. You watch these games. We all watch these games. Is there any place to run? The other no. issue that I have, and somebody brought this up on Twitter last night, and it got me to thinking because I had considered this earlier. They don't do a lot with misdirection. They're not going outside. Not a lot of quick pitch outs. You know, I, look, I, I, I'm not a run game expert, you know, or a run game coach, but it just seems like they're playing in a in, in, in a phone booth. It, it just it feels like they're 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 not creating uh, issues for the defense in the run game. And I, you know, they they say they're doing the same things they've always done, but whatever it is, it ain't working. No, it's not. And this is what we gather from this team at that offensive line, and they're not even close right now to playing decently. But no. if this offensive line plays below what the expectation should be, and that's accurate, being the highest-paid offensive line in the NFL. Bob, this team has no chance. Your 37-year-old no. quarterback has no chance. Your pass catchers have no chance, even with the inspiration of the tight end play from Granson to Mo Alley, and to a degree, you know, you know what you got from Jalen Wood or Jelani Woods yesterday. Even to the degree of that, it doesn't matter because if this offensive line doesn't work, this team is not going to win. Right. No. I mean, you're and again. This is the foundation of this team. And the crazy thing is the thing that we worried about the most were the wide receivers who have been okay yeah. uh, and the tight ends. Tight ends combined for 180 yards yesterday. They were spectacular. And they deserve all the praise that they get. But, you know, <laughs> there's just nothing happening. I mean, and, and, and look, we got to talk about Matt Ryan. He put up, what, 360-something yards yesterday, something like that. But he can't – he's not protecting the football. Nine fumbles is unbelievable. I mean, this is Carson Wentz stuff in terms of – it's worse than Carson Wentz in terms of uh, holding on to the football. So, uh, you know, the one thing that, that I've been thinking about, talking about, is I hope this is a one-and-done with with Matt Ryan. Uh, they they they've yeah. got to get off the treadmill. They have got to get off the treadmill. I understand that they haven't had a lot of choices, uh you know, a lot of options in the last couple of years, but they have got to go out and do whatever it takes uh to get that first round pick and get themselves a quarterback for the future because 
you know, whether the guy, the whether the, the draft he plays next year or not, you know, whether he's a backup to Matt Ryan for that one year, um, this team is just not going to go anywhere with Matt Ryan. Uh, he, he's he's a, a solid pro, but um, there are just things that he can't do any longer, and it's becoming abundantly obvious. Well, I mean, and you look at in his numbers, you look at and you go, hey, you know, you'll take those numbers, but you're right, Bob. I, I mentioned this. Those receivers had to work really hard for those catches yesterday. Uh, the they tight did. ends, well, you're talking about, you know, Alec Pierce stretching out a couple of different times, and you're right. I mean, you're absolutely right. He, The thing that you notice in the press box, and both you and I are up there for those games, is what he does miss. And, and not he, he just necessarily missing receivers, but guys are open. He doesn't throw it. Uh, clearly, he's discombobulated because most of the time he's running for his life, but it's not working. It's just not. His, his uh, pocket presence, which used to be something that I thought he was great at, um, just isn't there. I mean, there was a play, I guess it was last week, where he was being tracked down by a, by a defensive end, and he, it seemed like he had absolutely no clue that the guy was coming. He took his time, got strip sacked, and, and it was their ball. And yeah. I, I'm, may, maybe, maybe the Colts are breaking him the way they've broken Andrew Luck. I don't know. But it's just amazing to me that, you know, I mean, they sold him on the idea that he would have a running game and an offensive line, and they have not delivered on that at all. Bob Kravitz of The Athletic. He's on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. He's got his latest column out. Now, Jim Irsay has never done it. I know both of us are expecting him not to do it this year regarding a decision on, on Frank Reich. Is, is there a breaking point to that? Is there new no. ground that you could see covered any way, shape, or form? Because I don't, but do you? I don't either. I don't either. I think Jim has uh, studiously avoided being his father. And his father routinely uh, blew out coaches in the middle of seasons. Jim has seen that interim coaches do not work in football. If you're bad, you're bad. It doesn't depend, matter if you got Vince Lombardi. If you're bad, you're bad. And I do not see him making a change. I think Chris Strasser uh, would be the most likely candidate to – be held responsible for what's going on. But, uh, yeah, and honestly, unless, you know, unless this thing really falls off a cliff, I, I think he's back next year. Unless, you know, I mean, I still think somehow, some way, because the AFC South is so lousy, um, they're going to be in it till the end, whether they like it or not. But, it, it, you know, unless this thing falls off, off a cliff, I have a hard time seeing them making a change at the end of the season, much less doing it in season. It was, um, and, and I know people are going to go, aren't you used to it by now? But yesterday's first half, Bob, was probably the most ridiculous half of ba- or football, I, I, I should say, that I've seen. And I, people were saying, well, you know, you're irate about this. Why weren't you as equally irate about the Jacksonville game? Well, I was. But again, going into this game and knowing what was on the line and then getting that level of play or lack thereof in that first half, I, I, to me, I, there's no excuse. There's just zero excuse for the way that they came out. And 
you know, it, 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 at some point, I talk about the, the AFC South, you know, being that gift that keeps on giving, but I don't even know if the Colts are at a level right now where they could ever take advantage of it. It's all kind of fool's gold whenever anything positively happens, seemingly, with this team. And the shame of it is, you know, look, I, does anybody really think Jacksonville's the real deal unless they're like the 1999 uh, Indianapolis Colts who went from 3-13 and 13 to 13-3 to in Peyton's second year? Maybe that's what's happening there, but I kind of doubt it. But look at, look at Tennessee. Do they strike you as a great team? I know they were the number one seed last year, but, you know, losing A.J. Brown, losing Landry, I mean, this is not the same team. And, and they, they're terrible in the second half. They're as bad in the second half as the Colts are in the first half. We saw that play out yesterday. Um, but this division is there for the taking. And I, I don't know that the Colts have it in them to, to seize the opportunity. We talk about a breaking point or maybe lack thereof. And I think we both agree that it's, it, it would take a lot uh, for Jim to, to make a move that he's never done before on a head coach during the season. What about that matchup with Carson Wentz here? I mean, would that be, would that, would that be a breaking point, though? I mean, honestly, would that be a breaking point yeah, for the owner? I mean, that would be awfully, awfully close to, to a, being a breaking point. And, and it might be the breaking point. Uh, I mean, if you lose to Carson Wentz after all that, that happened, after all you said in the offseason, after, you know, making it abundantly clear that he was the, responsible for the team failing to make the playoffs. Yeah, that's, I, I could see that. I, I think that's, that's certainly a possibility. But, God, it, that's not, not going to happen, is it? Uh, famous last yeah, words, Bob. Lose to the commandos. <laughs> <laughs> famous, famous last words. I, hey, I said they I mean, couldn't lose to Jacksonville again. They got run 24 zip. So what the hell do I know? Yeah, and it just seems like those, those moments, even last week, I mean, you could tear that apart and even make that Kansas City win look bad with the way that that went down. When you think of the quarters of football they played, and the positive quarters that they have had in those quarters through four weeks of the season, it's mind-blowing the level, or I should say in this case, the depth of football that we have seen. It is. Oh, it's, it, it's as bad as anything I've seen around here, and I think any of us have seen for many years. I mean, we've been very, very fortunate. I mean, I understand that um, – you know, they haven't won a, a division since 14. But, you know, we've seen competitive football, and this has not been competitive. You know, I mean, yesterday it got interesting late, and if Jonathan Taylor doesn't fumble the ball, and, if, you know, if, 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 you know, that was a competitive game. But they, they have consistently put themselves in hole. I was mentioning to Naheem Hines yesterday, I said, you realize you guys have been down 17 points in every game against the AFC South this year. He's like, that is so ridiculous. And it is. For a team that's built, you would think, the right way, or at least what they think is the right way. And it's just not happening for them. And, um, you know, I was I, – I thought there was hope, but I'm starting to lose it. I'm starting to lose hope that this team can get itself together. Um uh, 
you know, and th- this game Thursday is going to be monster because you got two teams really in the same situation with new quarterbacks who haven't figured it out. Uh, we don't know what's going on with Jonathan Taylor. We know the the, the Broncos are going to lose their, their top uh, running back so to injury. So this is, a, again, a monumentally important game. It's not AFC South, but it's AFC, and that, that means something. Yeah, Bob Kravitz joins us from The Athletic. Your colleague at The Athletic, Zach Kiefer, had tweeted about this a little bit earlier today from Naheem Hines, quote, not an excuse, but every year we have a new quarterback. Yeah. So each year we yeah. have growing pains while we sit here. You know the quote, and I'm sure you've read the quote. You probably even heard the quote from I yesterday. Quote. It, it, it reads as a shot at Chris Ballard. And, and knowing Naheem Hines, I'm sure he didn't mean it that way. But yeah. that's the way that it reads to me. Does it you? No, not really, because I was there. I, I was talking to him, and, and he, he brought that up, uh, I yeah. think, in response to a question of mine. Maybe it was somebody else's. Who remembers? But, uh, yeah, I don't think it was a shot. But it, it, it was, you know, and the thing I like about Naheem is he's honest. And let's be honest, you know, having a new quarterback every year for the last however many years it's been, it's, it's tough. It's tough. And you look at the, the, the issues that they're having – uh, in Denver with Russell Wilson, he doesn't look like Russell Wilson. So, I mean, if you want to be a positive guy about it, you know, Wilson and, and Ryan will will get their legs under them and start playing better. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I did not take it as a shot. I just thought it was a, a very um, very clear, cogent observation. To Bob Kravitz, he's with us. So Jonathan Taylor. Think he plays in this short week, you know, coming off I that, that injury situation. I, mean, I, I saw Adam Schefter had a tweet uh, that there's there's a chance he could play, but this I, I have a hard t- time believing that on a short week he's going to go. Um, and can we mention, by the way, as we do every year, that Thursday night football is an abomination. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it just days, it get, keeps getting bad pub. Yeah, yeah, it keeps getting getting bad pub. There's no doubt about that. Now, now that now that Amazon's involved, though, they're going to get as we've seen much better games, and they've staked their claim that it's going to be money over exactly what you're alluding to right here. Yeah, well, and when we'll end up with situations like Tua Tonga Bailoa, and well. What I find interesting is that, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Sherman has always been anti-Thursday night football. So where is he working? Thursday night football. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. It's it's uh, it, yeah, and it's that's not going to stop. That's not going to stop no. whatsoever. Um, Shaquille Leonard got the friendly fire hit yesterday. That oh. looked pretty major, especially coming off the two a week on Thursday night where you would think everything would be more hypersensitive. Um, what do you think about his? Obviously, he's not going to play. He's ruled out. Yeah, but your thoughts even longer out. term for him? I, I don't think, you know, look, they're, they're, everybody is being hypervigilant now, which is what they should have been a long time ago. But we know how, we know how the NFL works. Um, yeah, I, I, I think even if he was cleared, uh, because uh, understand, we talked to Reich today, and he said that they made this decision uh, independent of the protocol. So, in theory, he could have been cleared in the protocol 
and and he could he would have been cleared to play, but the Colts decided maybe because of this of the of the atmosphere now uh, in the league that uh, he was not going to play, and I think that's the smart thing. Yeah, I don't know about it anymore. Jim Irsay firing up the team. Video tweets. Yeah, he, he was all you know? he, he fired him up before that. Uh, before that uh, Jacksonville game, that didn't work. Uh, yeah. Before the home opener, or uh, excuse me, before the Houston game, uh, none of that stuff seems to be working. Nobody's listening to poor Jim anymore, and uh, I don't think he likes that. And I think people are going to pay. Uh, there, there's going to be issues down the road for a lot of people, and I think, as we as we mentioned earlier. Uh, if things don't turn around, I think Chris Strasser uh, may very well be out of here uh, after the Denver game. The uh, the thing you got to guard against more so than anything else, even among all this disappointment that we've been talking about, is a level of apathy. And you know you've known him for a long time too. The guard is up when it comes to Colts fans and being apathetic toward this team, and that's also a part of this path we're talking about here, Bob. Yeah, no, I, look, I, I mean, I, I really do think that we're at a point in the development of this of this uh, uh, franchise that I, I, I think they've got to be bad for a really long period of time for apathy to, to set in. I think right now we're still in the pissed-off mode, and I think we're going to be that way for quite some time. But, you know, uh, if it's a long-term situation, yeah, I can see apathy – creeping in but not just yet yeah i i just i I kind of think about it from these terms i guess too is that it seems like you know anytime you 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 talk about this team and their shortcomings so far you know if you get the uber fan back at me they say hey there's still a lot of season or hey this is the afc south and while all that is true i think all this does is muddy up the water and lower the expectations to a point where it's it's tough certainly to dig out of such such a hole that's that's kind of what i get each and every week yeah. seems like we're talking about the same stuff but it looks like to me the product is getting progressively worse it is so, and, and the margin of error is zero they, they can't lose another afc south game and uh you know and, and i'm not sure they can lose you know they, they can't lose a hell of a lot more and, and no you know it's 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 they put themselves in a hole again and, you know, they could start pra- uh, training camp practice at 1. They can start it at 6.30 in the morning. I don't <laughs> care. They're going to get off the slow start under this administration. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and that's, that's why you kind of look at the coach and go, all right. One thing that hasn't been addressed that's certainly a common theme here, and that's where everybody's attention goes. Hey, Bob, great column today. I appreciate that. Thanks for hopping on. And short week with the Broncos on Thursday. We'll see what happens. Appreciate you. All right. Sounds good, buddy. Take care. Bob Kravitz of The Athletic on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Line. Buffalo Wild Wings in Plainfield. A nice group going on here. You got Bud Light. Great prices and great food from Buffalo Wild Wings. That's your chance at Jacksonville. Colts tickets to give away. We've got an autographed helmet to give away as well. Buffalo Wild Wings on a blue Monday. There's Mac here, too. On a blue Monday in Plainfield. And we'll look for you just off of Main Street. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. My vision is to take this team as the first franchise 
to the Saturn Football League and play against eight-foot gargoyles that run 3-8 speed. 93.5 and 107.5, The Fan. Welcome back. Buffalo Wild Wings in Plainfield. Thank you so much. These guys are great here. Thank you, Buffalo Wild Wings. And our friends from Zinc, Bud Light is here. Ice cold Bud Light, great food. Monday night football with the Rams and the Niners. Your chance at Jaguars, Colts tickets, and an autographed helmet coming up right here. If you're watching on YouTube Live inside the lounge right now, Airport Jimmy's in What's the house. What's going on, JMV? No, I've yeah, been looking I, forward to this, man. I'm so glad you came here to Plainfield. Man, I've been looking forward to it. Airport Jimmy's yeah, in the house. Yeah, Airport Jimmy in the house, pushing some of my stuff right now. That's but everything's right. good, man. It's better to talk about the Colts, right? It is. Now, now yeah. Sweet Angie. Sweet Angie, yep. She's going to be on. She's actually on the YouTube chat, I'm sure, thinking I'm running up your tab, <laughs> which I did have to bum a beer from you because I forgot my that's wallet. That's all right, bro. That's but, no oh, problem, man. It's all good. There's more where that came I got from. a friend like that that always forgets his wallet when he's <laughs> whenever we go out. So, yeah, you know how that goes. All right. YouTube live chat inside the lounge. The Airport, YouTube chat Jimmy, rocks. Everybody. The people rock in there. What happened to the uh, wrist situation? What uh, happened? I had arthritis on my thumb. Did I'm you? old, JMV. I'm old, brother. I, I've kind of got that, but it's in the right I'm hand. a righty, though, so don't think what you're thinking. <laughs> well, see, I don't know that's exactly what, what I was thinking. Yeah, I know you were yes. thinking that. <laughs> Airport Jimmy, thanks, man. All right, man. Good seeing you. Airport See Jimmy, everybody. everybody. Take care. <laughs> Inside the lounge via YouTube live. That's exactly what I was thinking, brother. I know it. It was. All right. Titans, Colts, uh, 24-17. Titans beat the Colts. Um, and it was an embarrassing for the Colts' first half. All the points scored by Tennessee in that win. You got it, man. In that first half of play. And uh, Colts tried to come back. It wasn't enough. Uh, one, two, and one on the season. A short week. Now, if you're looking for some things coming up on Thursday night, Randy Gregory uh, has been ruled out with an injury. I think it's uh, Devontae Williams, right, too, Kyle? He's, yeah, he's, he's out for the year. Listed he's out, he tore out his for ACL. the year. Yeah, Gregory's going to miss some time and obviously miss on Thursday. And then you just heard that Russell Wilson was dinged up with his shoulder in that game yesterday against the Raiders, and he is listed as questionable in a short week. Not probably going to help out out a great deal either so just some things going in to the broncos colts matchup in a short week coming up on thursday night i did want to mention this too because we've got to combine a lot of things on thursday well first things first coming up on wednesday we're going to be at twin peaks on wednesday it's up on the northeast side and by the way i don't know if you've seen that but twin peaks they're going to add a, a second location down in greenwood off of county line road right there next to madison i think where the old logan's roadhouse used to be but anyway, uh, that's Wednesday. And then on Thursday, our Larceny Bourbon Locks and Luna Azul Tequila Shots for week five of the NFL. Me and Brent Holverson will do our normal thing in our picks up until 530. And then Bill Brooks will join me and we'll do the Colts pregame huddle from Joe's Grill in Westfield. So if you're up in and around Westfield coming up on Thursday, and clearly it's going to take me a little bit to get back home, so I'll probably have to watch a lot of that Thursday night game from Joe's in Westfield. That's coming up on Thursday. So you got a lot going on, but the start of the Colts pregame huddle is at 5.30 coming up on Thursday. And we'll get you to countdown to kickoff with Matt, with Rick, and Lara 
for that. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. We'll close it out with some phone calls. A little bit earlier today, Jake Query on the show. Also, Bob Kravitz of The Athletic. The podcast, 107.5thefan.com. If you want to double back, too, you can check out YouTube Live. Just go back and watch it again because you can scroll through and easily get to everything. Conversations, follow along with what people are talking about as well. That's the the lounge via YouTube Live. Also, had a lot of people complaining about the app. I don't know what the app situation is, but if you want to get us and also be a part of a great group like Airport Jimmy, great conversations, and hear the show, watch the show, that's the lounge via YouTube Live is always open right there. All right, quick break, and we'll come back. i got to thank our great folks at Buffalo Wild Wings for having us each and every Monday. This one in Plainfield. I believe we're going to be back at some point before the end of the season as well. Off of Main Street in Plainfield with Buffalo Wild Wings. Got your chance to win Jaguars Colts tickets before we go. We've got an autographed helmet to give away before we go. All on a Blue Monday. Buffalo Wild Wings and Bud Light with 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. The Ride with JMV. The Sportos, Motorheads, Geeks, Sluts, Bloods, Wastoids, Dweebies, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Hey, welcome back. We are live from Buffalo Wild Wings today in Plainfield, which is a spectacular time. Stuff to give away. Great food. Monday Night Football is here tonight with the Rams and the Niners. You can check it out. My man Joe Childers of the 14 Central Indiana CarX locations, a sponsor of the high school football game of the week. And every single Friday, my conversation with Bob Lovell. Joe's in the house. Mark Sion on the Big Green Egg actually said he was just with Joe up at the location in Brownsburg. 14 Central Indiana CarX locations. You can check that out today. But a quick shout-out, too. This Buffalo Wild Wings is always money. I mean, Fantastic. Uh, Our thanks to our friends at Zinc with Bud Light for being a part of this as well. I love going out on Mondays. I really do. I love going out any day. And, in fact, we're going to be out like four of the five days. I think the only day I'm going to be in studio, that is coming up tomorrow uh, with you in studio. That's the only day. Twin Peaks, northeast side on – where am I on Friday? Do we know yet? I can't remember where I am on Friday. I probably should have looked that up before I asked somebody else. But I know Twin Peaks Wednesday. I know Joe's Grill in Westfield on Thursday. Sianna, do you know where we are on Friday? Where? Oh, we're at Gigi's on Friday. Gotcha. Gigi's. Shout out to Gigi's. Another great place. Coming up on the northeast side. That is on Friday. So cannot wait for that. Hey, Pacer fans, by the way, preseason underway versus Charlotte. Coming up on Wednesday, I saw Rick Carlisle say today that because it's a short preseason, a lot of um, of the starters are going to get a lot of minutes in the preseason. We'll see. All right, 239-1070. Todd is up next today. Todd, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, good afternoon, John. I'll I'll be quick so you can get some other uh, other callers in. Um, Ironically, what you just mentioned about the Pacers, so kind of bottom lining my attitude with the Colts right now, I'm looking forward to the Pacers season and watching a team that we all essentially concede is going to be somewhere in the poor to mediocre range, um, I think that's that's pretty substantial commentary on our football team, um, just that alone. Well, and, and listen, 
And who's to say that by December or January, and I hope not, that you might be tired of watching that particular basis product. But, yeah, that just I, that expresses and magnifies even more, Todd, the disappointment that this, this team has been so far because you start looking for other avenues of enjoyment, especially, you know, in terms of sports, Todd, that you're invested in. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. I agree completely. So I'll let you get some other people. I'll try to catch you out there uh, sometime this week. You got it, buddy. Yeah, Joe's Grill on Thursday should be a blast up in Westfield. That is always a happening place. Chris is up next at 239-1070. Hello, Chris. Hey, John. How's it going? First off, did you ever get a chance to try the bearded swine? They went out of business, but I didn't know if you ever I, got any meat over there. I did not. They went out of business? They did, yeah. They they said that they were bringing in like $150 a day and had to close down, or she was oh. going to lose her, her Columbus store, so... But anyways, I wanted to talk Colts, and yeah. my thought is, how many stars do we really have on the team, and why are our expectations so high for a team that really doesn't have a whole hell of a lot? Well, I think that that you you look at having seven Pro Bowlers a year ago, which probably is not meaningless, but not as meaningful as you would give it credit for, and as far as stars are concerned, no. I mean, if, if you're on the level of, like, Mahomes, you don't have a quarterback that's a star or anything like that. Here's the thing, though. It starts with the offensive line. If you can just get a better level of play from them, things could have gone differently so far. But there's just been a lot of breakdown across the board. I, I, mean, I may not expect them to look the way that they have looked, certainly. But the level in which they have played has been awful. Quarter after quarter, you look at the quarters they played in four weeks, it's tough to find, you know, an entirety of a game, a four-quarter game, where you feel good about it. Matt Ryan would hold on the ball with two hands when he's running. I mean, he looks like a – I mean, John, I think you'd outrun him, first of all. Well, I mean, I I probably would get rid of the ball quicker. I mean, you you certainly have to know what's coming. That that has not worked. Uh, The offensive line hasn't worked. The defensive line oftentimes, I mean, even with the fact that the defense didn't give up points in the second half, uh, the defensive line has been more of a struggle than it hasn't. And that's my entire point is not even so much what we have seen so far this year, Chris, but it's been where this thing is going because I call them foundational building blocks. The foundational building blocks of this ballot blueprint to this point has failed. It absolutely has failed considering the results we've seen. Can they not go to Sam or Nick, or if they do that, is it basically mean Matt Ryan's done? Well, yeah. I mean, that means he would done. I, I think the only way that, that either one of those guys would ever get any playing time is if if uh, Ryan is injured, which could ultimately happen, no doubt about that, or if Foles I mean, is record, injured. But, yeah, that's what it's going to take. With, yeah, their record's better with either one of those guys. Matt Ryan's just a clown, man. Yeah, I don't um, – and I'm not um, – yeah, Matt Ryan has not been good. I, I don't know with the way this team has played if you could count on a better record with those other two guys either, honestly. Love your show, so. buddy. Take care. Chris, I appreciate you. Kyle, quick update, fantasy football-wise. You and I, I was down like 40, I think, right? Last night until Sunday night football? Yeah, I think you got 50 points out of Kelsey and Mike Evans, so I'm down yeah. 11 points. I got uh, the – San Francisco defense and uh, the kicker. I can't remember the kicker's name for the Rams. Is it Matt Gay? 
Is that who that is? Matt yeah, Gay for the Rams? Right. Yeah. Oh, here's the, the problem I'm going to have is you're probably going to win. You're going to get points regardless. So let's say, for example, um, you know, Matt Gay doesn't get a lot of opportunities to score. That means that the Niners defense will be handling the Rams. There's not a really good path for me to get to win this thing. And, and shout out to Christian Kirk. For the first time in 2022, the Jaguars wide receiver did not show up. That was a big-time host for me right there, no doubt about that. I needed Kelsey to give me one more last night, but the dude put up 24. Mike Evans put up 31. And my running backs, as usual, Etienne and Singletary have been non-existent. So probably Kyle is going to get that win coming up later on tonight. Thank you, Buffalo Wild Wings in Plainfield. We're going to give away tickets to the Jaguars-Colts game and an autograph helmet coming up in a minute. Thank you, Bud Light. And my friends at Zinc, Cam, great job out of you. Sienna, fantastic per usual. It's great seeing everybody here. Kyle Unimark back at the station. Exceptional. We're going to do some free throws tomorrow morning at Hinkle with Bruce Kidd for Teacher's Treasures. I'll tell you how that goes tomorrow in studio at 3. Colts Roundtable Live. That's next.